Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We continue the final verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You may recall that Paul has sent a letter to the Corinthian believers, which, among other things, is to point out the things in their lives and in their church that need to be corrected. And now he says he's going to come and pay them a visit, but it's going to be delayed a little while. And one of the primary reasons for that delay is to give them time to correct the things that need to be corrected. Time to read his letter, absorb his letter, apply his letter to their lives, address the sins that are in their lives, make right those things that need to be made right, some of which may take some time, some of which may involve getting things right with other people. After all, they're they're dealing with divisiveness and contentions within the church, and so some of that takes a little time to address properly. So Paul says, I'm going to give you some time to get all these things taken care of so that when I come, I'm not going to find any of this. These things that are present now, or at least I have reason to believe are, I'm going to give you an opportunity to deal with them, and then I'm going to come as a follow-up to this letter. And if I find everything in proper order, as I truly hope to find it, then we will have a wonderful, joyful, encouraging visit. It will be a blessed time for all of us, but if I come and find that some of these things have not been properly attended to, then I'm going to come, as it were, with a whip. Nobody's going to enjoy that, but it needs to be done. I'm afraid there's some Christians in our day that think that Everything in the Christian life should be happy and joyful and without severity of any kind. And, of course, they're not reading the Bible very carefully. And Paul says here simply this, that it's up to you, Corinthians, as to how I'm going to come. If you respond to this properly, it'll be a wonderful, blessed, joyful, happy time. If you don't, it's going to be a very tense and anguishing time, but I'm going to come to you in whatever way is needed according to what you have done. So the ball's in your court, and it's up to you as to how you want me to arrive in Corinth. And so that's where we are in 2 Corinthians 12. We've come to verses 20 and 21, and we'll continue that on this Wednesday, November 8. And we can do so because some of you 
are mindful of the financial needs and are willing to help us with the burden. Thank you so very, very much. Now, after stating his delay, he then lists a number of the things that need to be corrected. And here's what he says. In verse 20, For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish. I'm afraid I'll come, if I come right away, I'll come and find you in a bad condition spiritually, and I don't want to come and find you that way. So I fear lest when I come, I shall find you, I shall not find you rather such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. Because I'm going to have, if you, if you haven't got things straightened out, if I find that you are not as I wish, that you haven't taken care of these things as I, as I hope you will and wish you would, then when I come, I'm not going to be the way you wish. I'm not going to be happy, joyful, encouraging. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be corrective. I'm going to, to crack the whip, as it were. So it's up to you. And then he says, lest there be, and now he goes through a list of things that need to be corrected. Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. That's the list in verse 20. And then he goes on from there in verse 21 and says, Lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced. So this is a very important list, certainly for the Corinthian Christians, but it becomes a very important list for us. Here's a list of things to check our lives against. And if we have any of these things in our lives, we need to get them right. The Apostle Paul isn't coming for a visit, but we're going to stand before the Lord someday and give an account. So, let's get these things right, and he starts out with contentions. That's wrangling, arguing, divisiveness in the church. Deal with that. There shouldn't be any of that. Jealousies. I spent quite a little bit of time on that on a previous broadcast, but I think I need to go back to that one because that is so, so common. It is, it is considered not to be a big deal, but it is a big deal. God says it's a big deal. You've got to deal with jealousy, which is pretty much synonymous with envy and very close to the sin of covetousness. And you've got to deal with that. If you have feelings like that, if you have thoughts like that in your heart toward others, then you've got a, not a little problem, a big problem that needs to be dealt with. You need to take that to the Lord and ask him to remove that from you so that you no longer have these jealousies. Now, a lot of these things do have to do with economic disparity, and the solution of some people is, well, we've got to do something so that everybody has the same amount. In other words, we've got to apply a socialist, a communist remedy. Well, I'm not going to get too far into that except to say the socialist-communist remedy, whichever way you go with it, Socialism being a milder form of communism, and communism being a harsher form of socialism, but communism is rooted in socialism. But that remedy, though it, it may sound good, it, it never works that way. Can you show me a single 
communist or socialist society that has achieved income equity among all people? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. For all of the promises, all the um, grandiose descriptions of how this is the way it ought to be, I can remember, I don't know how many years ago now, good many years ago now, when some way I had gotten into a discussion with a professor in a university in another state, and for some reason he found it interesting, maybe even he, he, he eventually said it was profitable for him to discuss matters with me, and so I discussed some things with him. And one thing I remember doing was challenging a statement he made in which he talked about, oh, we've got to eliminate this great big disparity between the wealthy and the poor, and particularly between the super wealthy and the poor. That's a big problem, this this income, income gap, this disparity between people. And I challenged him on that. I said, what is the problem with that? And he acted like I was <laughs> coming out of a of a thousand years sleep out of a dark cave that I didn't know what was going on in society. It's it's like you don't have to explain what's wrong with that. It's just so obvious what's wrong with that. You it it doesn't it does it defies explanation. It doesn't need explanation. Of course it's wrong. We don't question whether it's wrong. We just decry how wrong it is and how it needs to be fixed. Well, as I've already pointed out, I'm not. I'm not convinced it, it can be fixed in this world under the curse of sin. Of course, I have a Christian viewpoint. This man claimed to be a Christian. But I'm not sure that that's even the ideal that we're going to have when we get to heaven. After all, Jesus talked about the difference in rewards. Those who improve their five talents are going to have rule over 10 cities. Those who improve their three talents will have rule over six cities or something like that and so forth. You can find all kinds of language like that in Scripture that seems to indicate to me that even in heaven there is not going to be total equality, that, that what people enjoy in heaven is going to be based upon their faithfulness upon the earth, that there's going to be rewards in heaven and there's going to be different responsibilities in heaven, and some people are going to have greater responsibilities than others. In other words, there's going to be different um, different ranks in heaven. But what will not be in heaven is any jealousy from anyone toward anyone else. That's the problem. The problem is not the income gap between the rich and the poor. The problem is the feelings of jealousy, envy, and covetousness that are produced not because of these inequities, but because of sinful hearts. These things should not bother us. There will always be some people who have more than others. It has been said, and I think it's absolutely true, that if you took all the income the idea, of course, is to take from the rich and give to the poor. And if you took all the income and distributed it equally to everybody on the face of the earth, 
so that tomorrow everybody had ex- the exact same amount. Six months from now, you would have rich people and poor people. It wouldn't take long until the inequalities, so-called, would occur again for a number of reasons, but for the most obvious and simple reason is that some people are more intellectually gifted than others. Some people are more financially gifted than others. Some people are more diligent and hardworking than others. Some people aren't willing to apply themselves. They just expect everything to be given to them. They envy what other people have, but they're not willing to work for it and to achieve it for themselves and so forth. So, no, the problem is not that some people are richer than others. The problem is that we have this this inward malady, this inward sin called jealousy that needs to be extinguished from our hearts. And that's what Paul says here. When I come, I don't want to find this. I don't want to find contentions. I think we can all see what's wrong with that. But I don't want to find jealousies. And I hope we understand what's wrong with that. Jealousies are one person being jealous of somebody else because they think they have more of something, maybe more wealth, maybe more beauty, maybe more talent, maybe more opportunities, maybe more this, maybe more that than I do, and I should have the same. You know what this is? This is a failure to bow to the wisdom and sovereign rule of God. It's up to him to distribute to each person as he pleases. It's his choice. He decides. And if he gives somebody something more than you have of any of these categories I mentioned or in others, that's his right. And we have no right to be jealous. We just take whatever we have given to us by God, and use it to the best we can for the glory of Christ, not worrying about what other people have or what other people are doing. And if we'll do that, we'll be fine. But if we allow jealousy to fester, we will be ruined. We will be eaten away from the inside. Well, we'll come back again tomorrow. Until then, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.